Please listen carefully. Welcome in. We got another episode of the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with you, as always. I'm your host, Cooper Hurd. Last night, Boston College came in to play Clemson. I was at that game. I'm going to talk about it. Kind of talk about um, prior to the beginning of the game, LeVon Kirkland was entered into the Clemson Football Ring of Honor. We'll talk a little bit about his legacy, what that was like. Then I'm just going to go over the game itself. Clemson won pretty handily. It's not necessarily the most competitive game, to say the least, but exciting to be sure and worth talking about nonetheless. So first off, LeVon Kirkland enters the Clemson Football Ring of Honor. Congratulations to him. Last guy inducted was actually Tree Rollins. So for for my NBA fans that are listening, uh, there's a little nugget for you. He was inducted back in 17. The LeVon was the first football player inducted since Terry Kynard back in 2001. Uh, Kynard played uh, back in 1979 to 82. Other football inductees were Steve Fuller, who played from 75 to 78, Jeff Davis, played from 78 to 81, Fred Cohn, played from 48 to 50, and Jerry Butler, played 75 to 78. Uh, as well, the, the entire 1981 National Championship team was inducted uh, back in 2006. I wonder if they'll be inducting the 16 and 18 teams and... Maybe they'll just package them up and be like four playoffs in a row. Like we induct that. Just induct like 500 people into the ring at once. Uh, regardless, LeVon Kirkland uh, came into the NFL. Uh, was drafted by Pittsburgh. It was the 38th overall selection. Was a 6-1 linebacker who played in the NFL anywhere from 270 to 300 pounds. So a massive, massive size guy at the linebacker position. Was still incredibly quick for his size and very powerful. Just a very skilled player. I think his size was very deceptive to a lot of people at first, but very quickly when you saw him move, you could tell what caliber of athlete he was at the linebacker position. Over his 11 NFL seasons, he racked up 11 interceptions, 16 forced fumbles, 1,023 tackles, which about 75% of those were solo tackles, uh, 19.5 sacks, and 24 tackles for loss. He was named to two All-Pro teams. I believe the years were 95 and 96, uh, and was named NFL's Linebacker of the Year. Back at Clemson, he racked up 273 tackles in three years, 40 tackles for loss and 19 sacks. He was an All-American as a junior. Um, After his playing career, Kirkland coached high school in Greenville, South Carolina, and eventually was brought up to coach the linebackers at Florida State. 
for the 2013 and 14 seasons. And then the Arizona Cardinals hired him as uh, one of their linebacker coaches in 2015, and he's been there since. As uh, one last thing, Levon did also make a Super Bowl, made Super Bowl 30, starting as the left linebacker. So a very illustrious, illustrious career for him, a guy that very much exemplifies what it means to be a Clemson Tiger, someone that I would say I am very proud to have representing me, that's sure. Congratulations to LeVon Kirkland. Couldn't be more proud. Uh, c- congrats. Yeah, it was an awesome ceremony to see. Um, his name was unveiled in the stadium. They have the Ring of Honor displayed. Um, it, it's sort of in the right corner, and I was over in that right corner, so it was right above our heads. It was really cool to see. Just awesome. So, moving on now. I'm going to talk about the game itself. Clemson. Wins this one, 59-7 over Boston College. Um, this is a struggling Boston College team. Just clearly did not have the talent that, that, that was required to compete with Clemson. There was 38-7 to at the half, so was it was not necessarily um, in contention. Like I, I mentioned on the last podcast that the couple of games before Florida State and Louisville had been weirdly unsatisfying. The final score felt um, a little bit, it felt like the game just should have been closer. Um, last night, though, it was a 52-point margin, and it felt like it should have been more. felt like they could have put up, Clemson could have put up 80 points easily. Um, I think it was pretty obvious they toned it way down in the second half, but that, that's not, obviously it's, it's a wise move. Oh yeah, and uh, before I get into the game itself, um, one of the most entertaining parts was the national anthem. Uh, <laughs> there's like this this I don't think it was it was this group of uh, British people sitting behind me and my parents. And, and, and they weren't, like, disruptive or anything. They were just very British. Like, very, very British. Uh, like, aggressively British accents. Not aggressive people. Like, their accents were aggressive. But but during the national anthem, they were, like, very into it. Like, very much trying to sing it. I assume they were trying to, you know, replicate, like, a soccer environment where everyone kind of, like, screams really drunkly uh, all the chants and stuff. But... They kind of didn't know, like, half the words. They were kind of, like, improvising it. They kind of, like, would go in and out saying it. And at one point, they, like, started freestyling and said something about, like, I I don't know. They started going into something about how, like, America had kicked their ass. Or, like, I assume it's, like, some British joke version. But I heard, like, those that phrase, and I was like, oh, man, like, you should not be saying that during the National Anthem in, uh the Bible Belt in uh, the Deep South. Like, that's... Someone's going to take that as an invitation, okay? Let me just tell you. So, as for the game itself, uh, first half, I want to just go through, like, series by series. Uh, In the first half, Boston College started with the ball, uh, punted, 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 scored a touchdown, punted, and then punted. Uh, Only had six series in the first half. This was a pretty... 
So I, I guess the word would be it, it was a quick game, as in the ball was always in play because Boston College predominantly ran the ball, and Clemson runs most of the time. Um, I mean, Trevor only threw in three incompletions too, so unless they were running out of bounds, they weren't downing it with an incomplete pass generally. Clemson, though, field goal on the first drive of the game, touchdown, 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 touchdown. So quite a contrast in production there. Uh, In the first couple drives of the game, there were three pass interference calls on Boston College. I believe uh, Justin Ross drew two of them. One, T. Higgins drew. The two in the second series were back-to-back and set up the Travis Etienne rushing touchdown. So that was, it, it was just obvious right away that the Boston College secondary could not contain those two guys, just our receivers in general. ETN fed him early and often. That was good to see. Um, obviously, ETN is generally going to get fed pretty early and pretty often, but it doesn't always produce the big runs, um, and it doesn't have to be an 80-yard touchdown. Just getting him out into a, you know, getting him into the secondary, get him a 17 and 19-yard run, give him a chance to break one-on-one tackles, um, and, and that absolutely happened early in this game, in the first quarter especially. There was one really nice three-play, 75-yard drive where uh, Trevor threw 21-yard pass to T. Higgins, followed it up with a 32-yard run by Lin Jay, which the guy behind me who kept yelling Lin Jay's name whenever he did anything good was super happy about that. Not the British guy, another dude behind me. There's lots of dudes behind me. 22-yard reception by Overton, Catch and ran into the end zone for the touchdown. That was Overton's first touchdown of this game. He would go on to have a couple of more in what was, as far as I'm aware, his by far his best game as a Clemson Tiger. Um, I'd be shocked if he had another one better than this. Trevor ran a bunch in the first quarter especially and just in the first half in general. Ran eight times in the game. Got about 40 yards, so, I mean, it was productive. And he, he converted at least one-third down that was pretty essential. But, you know, this is not, necessi- this is not necessarily the game that sacrificing those runs um, costs you. And I, I, th- I think you would have had to sacrifice a lot for it to really cost you in this game. Justin Ross caught a few nice passes early on. I think he had all four of his receptions in the first half. Uh, they were some nice catches, too. Some nice downfield catches, so that was nice. Get Trevor like some intermediate throws, you know. It's too much either a screen pass or a deep bomb. You need those intermediate mid-level shots. Oh, God, I'm talking basketball talk now. You need those mid-level passes to sort of, I don't know, hit the gaps in the defense. you, you got to keep them honest across the middle and sort of in that intermediary part of the field. By the end of the first half, uh, ETN had racked up three rushing touchdowns. None of them were like the classic ETN breakaway for a 40-yard, you know, 80-yard touchdown like I was talking about earlier. But he did put them in. He looks really good. He was just churning, grinding. He didn't really... Um, I mean, he had like a few big runs. They weren't necessarily uh, massive runs, but he did have some explosive plays where he was breaking a couple tackles. He looked really good. He looked really good, and if you were watching him, he certainly looked like one of the best running backs. In the and let me just put it this way: we're gonna miss him a ton when he's gone next year. And Clemson doesn't really miss players at this point. 
there's just so much talent behind guys. It's hard to replace ETN, though. Um, and you may have noticed I haven't talked about Clemson's defense once in this game. It's because they just smothered Boston College, and it was so consistent throughout the game. There was the one drive... Uh, I, I went through them. Uh, I went through their plays. Right, they had the touchdown on the fourth drive. That was a 15-yard, sorry, a 15-play, 75-yard drive. Uh, I mean, that was impressive. They converted. I think they converted. They converted at least one fourth down on that drive. It might have been both on the same drive. And and the touchdown. It was just a, a, a opening in the Red Sea of Clemson players. It was clearly a miscue on some some part. Unfortunate to see, because, <laughs> you know, us greedy Clemson fans want to see a shutout. I mean, I know I do, at least. Man, especially against, like, like uh, Texas A&M early in the year. They, they sort of had that drive with a few minutes left. The whole crowd was so into it because Jimbo was so into it. He still had Kellen Mond and all his starters in. So Dabo left all his starters in because we didn't want to let him score this touchdown. They had they I think they maybe had a field goal, but... You know, they hadn't put a touchdown on us. They, like, sold out for it. That's that's just, I don't know. Clemson likes doing <laughs> petty stuff like that. But but they had, so back to this game, uh, Boston College had that one touchdown drive. The rest of their drives, 44 yards total in the first half. That was a 7-yard, a 13-yard, a 4-yard, a 15-yard, a 0-yard, and a 5-yard drive. So just just nothing, really. Nothing. As for the second half, Clemson opened up with a three and out, which I would like to trademark somewhere as the Clemson special. Um, I've, I, it's just even back um, Desha- Deshaun's couple of years that he did the same thing. They would just the Clemson's offense loves to come out in the second half after. So what what they would really do is have a slow first quarter, put up 21 points in the second quarter, and then three and out at the beginning of the third quarter before have like exploding for a couple more touchdowns later on that that's the Clemson recipe and the reason they've been struggling so much is they tried to do other things they need to get back to the Clemson recipe so I think they got back to the Clemson recipe today with the classic third and out to start the third quarter and that's why they performed so well um I think that's pretty pretty clear uh signs of causation there yeah yeah for sure want to shout out though Strip fumble caused by Chad Smith um, on the Boston College quarterback. Logan Rudolph scooped it up. Uh, rather than just falling on it, he was able to grab it and run it in for the touchdown. That was awesome to see. I'm a big Logan Rudolph fan. Um, first of all, I'm, most of y'all would know of, I mean, you would know the name Rudolph from his older brother, Mason Rudolph, who played quarterback at Oklahoma State and now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but his brother, Logan Rudolph is very good in his own right. Was a four-star, uh, recruit. They are located, um, ah, they're not too far from me. They're here, they're here in upstate South Carolina. I want to say like Fort Mill. Logan Rudolph is a, is, he's a defensive end on Clemson. In his announcement video committing to Clemson, it's like him like jumping off a dock into a river, like catching something Clemson. It's, it's, it's the most 
Clemson thing I've ever seen. The most like Southern boy thing I've ever. It was, it was incredible. I, I that just sold me on Logan Rudolph forever. Um, but this strip fumble, if that didn't do it for you, this strip fumble should because most guys would have just fallen on it. Most guys should have just fallen on it. Usually, just going and grabbing it, you're gonna bobble it or mess up the play in some way. Uh, not Rudolph grabbed it, and not only that, but he was. <laughs> He looked pretty decent. Like it, it was not a walk into the end zone. He had to kind of avoid a guy, and he was able to do so. So that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to watch. Um, shout out to Logan Rudolph. As I mentioned, DeAndre Overton racked up a couple of more touchdowns in this second half. One of them from Trevor, a 63-yard catch and run. Uh, sorry, not a catch and run. It was about a 40-yard pass over the middle on a sort of deep slant across the field, uh, ran that one in. That was impressive. His other catch for a touchdown came uh, during Chase Bryce's time. Chase Bryce threw him just sort of a nice little pass on the side, and he was able to break a couple, to avoid a couple of guys, run it in for the touchdown. Uh, overall, DeAndre Overton's line, three receptions, for three touchdowns and 119 yards. Shout out to him. He was awesome. And and DeAndre Overton is someone that so he he looks like he should be awesome. Not not just like he I mean he's 6-4 and like big, but the way he moves on the field, like he seems to get it. Sometimes his hands aren't the best. Sometimes it seems like he just doesn't have the just the the catching acumen to be a receiver. But I mean, he always has flash plays like this. Putting together three of them in one game is obviously pretty special. Awesome to see for him. Whether or not it becomes anything more for the rest of the season, we'll see. It's just so, I mean, it's so hard for a guy to break into this wide receiver group. Um, I mean, it's Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Amari Rogers right there at the top already. And then you've got, Obviously, Overton himself. You've got the the true freshman uh, Joe Angata and Frank Ladson. You've got um, Cornell Powell, T.J. Chase. It's just such a uh, even Will Sweeney is a legitimate receiver. He is a legit athlete who would who would probably be pretty productive on you know if he was on a um, bottom half Power Five team, he'd have a good chance of being a starting receiver. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. But yeah, a shout out to Overton. This was his night, I would say. So he did awesome. He really capitalized on the moment. And he made all three of those plays. None of those three plays were gimmies. Um, a couple, or, so the, the, I think it was the third one was maybe, I would say, the toughest. But they were all, so, I mean, they were all tough. He had to finish the play. It was not a walk-in touchdown. So I was happy to see that from him. Chase Bryce time this game pretty meh, kind of same um, the say I, I would say I've seen that same trend throughout the season. Last year Chase Bryce time was much more exciting. I don't know if maybe we were playing more of our um, maybe playing the guys like Justin Ross last year who were just a little more ready to produce right away, but were also young enough that they were playing on the bench. I just, I don't know. Um, something just feels a little off about it. And to be fair, part of it is probably, 
probably the fact that Chase Bryce threw on uh, like six or seven deep bombs uh, during his at least his first couple of drives. He was certainly airing it out, and I don't know if that was something the coaches were telling him to do or if it was just a you know, hey, I'm in the game, like it's I mean it's time to go, like let's let's score some touchdowns, like I I want to make my impact. Um, a couple of his throws were way off. The first deep ball was pretty off, and he had another one towards us that was, God, it landed like 15 feet from his receiver. I mean, it was it was, it was pretty awful. But he did have one throw uh, in the end zone to Lynn J. Dixon, hit him right in the hands, in the end zone, in stride. That was tough. It was just a, a beautiful throw by Chase Bryce, a bit of a dime. Um, unfortunately, Lynn J. couldn't capitalize on that one, but, you know, Chase Bryce looked good, as he always does. He had one rush where the guy kind of gave him a big hit after he ran about 15 yards and <laughs> kind of did, like, I I, can, I I thought of it as, like, a hezzy move in basketball where it kind of, like, you're supposed to, like, freeze the guy and then do a move, but, like, he didn't have a move to do. So he kind of, like, just hesitated, and then he's like, uh, uh, and kind of got tackled. He's, he's He looked good. He's fine. He just hasn't... The magic of Chase Bryce time hasn't been there. It was something like I looked forward to last year. It was fun, you know. It was it was not quite as exciting as the regular team, just because that regular team in the second half of last year was so good, just so exciting. But Chase Bryce time was a lot of fun, and Chase Bryce time it just hasn't been the same this year. So I hope to see that uh, change in the future, because I think Chase Bryce is a guy that's got dreams of making the NFL. Um, probably not going to go to the NFL and ever be a real starting threat. Um, but there's no reason he couldn't go and, and make a living as a backup quarterback for 10, 15 years, then go into coaching, you know, do that sort of route. Like there are guys that make millions of dollars holding clip, clipboards for 10 years. I would chase Bryce, not be one of them. I mean, he's held clipboards for one, a, a, a couple really, I, I don't think he was, you know, he, uh, yeah, he wasn't around for, uh, Deshaun, but I mean, he he has been around for a very good program. Um, I don't know. He has to prove that he's really got it in this time. It's tough to do, but hey, they don't call it Chase Bryce time for nothing. Oh, and shout out to the student section who started a Chase Bryce chant. That was phenomenal. That uh, was. Honestly, that was one of my proudest moments as a Clemson Tiger alumnus. Alright, so let's get into my key takeaways from this game. So, the first one hasn't really been talked about, at least... Um, in the announcing from last game, Xavier Thomas still not back. This was his second game out. Um, it, it sounded like in reporting he may have been ready to go. As I mentioned last week that he was in concussion protocol. It sounds like he may have been ready to go and personally really um, excited, uh, ready, just sort of chomping at the bit. But that Dabo made a call on Friday that we're just going to sit you for the next game. Probably not a bad decision. Obviously, I would have loved to see XT play. He's 
one of the best players on Clemson's team and could easily be a top 10 draft pick in the 21 draft uh, when he and Trevor Lawrence are both eligible. But it's not the worst thing in the world to sit him out another game. This was certainly the game to miss. Uh, I would rather just see Xavier Thomas back and even more fired up in a game like the Wake Forest game where uh, we really need him to shine. Uh, and on a similar note, it was kind of nice to reward Justin Foster uh, for his really good performance last year, uh, not last year, last week in Xavier Thomas's stead. So I, I thought that was, you know, a, 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 probably a side effect. You know, not, not the reason you sit out Xavier Thomas, obviously, but it was a nice little token in its own right. You know, the team, team looks good without Xavier Thomas. I guess that would be the takeaway there. He should be ready to go next week, though. Um, doesn't sound like there's any real doubt about that, so can't wait to see him next week. Um, Trevor Lawrence, it appears the rumors of his demise were greatly exaggerated. Trevor was on fire, 16 of 19, 275 yards for three touchdowns. Um, if he was on most teams, he'd be the Heisman frontrunner. I don't have a doubt in my mind right now. Not, be, not with this performance, but I th just think he would be leaned on so much more to perform. He's He's been he's been really good all season. He's had a couple games where he's kind of had a couple iffy moments. He's made a couple weird freakout plays, but that's just that just speaks to how disciplined and how steeled his nerves are in general and how incredible he was as a freshman that that's the criticism is he's not like Tom Brady yet it's like oh this guy has not you know developed like what a 35 year old would have his instincts yet his instincts are only that of a 32 year old quarterback I mean this he's something else and if you haven't watched Clemson football and you are a, uh, are a football fan in general you should certainly watch one just to watch this guy. Like, if you're just a pro football fan, Trevor is going to be in the league um, in 2021. He's going to be the number one overall pick. And whatever team gets him is, unless there's some terrible, terrible, unforeseen problems with injury or something like that, they're going to have a franchise quarterback on their hands for 10, 15 years that has the potential to win them uh, NFL championships. They're, they're going to have the opportunity to win Super Bowls. So, worth tuning in for, especially if you're a Miami Dolphins fan. Ha! Got him! Yeah, Trevor looked awesome, though. It was really good to see. He, he, he just had a couple incredibly accurate passes. He always looks good, but he had no mistakes this game. Uh, really, just everything was on the mark. It wouldn't have, I, I guess this is the way to put it. It would not have mattered what team he was playing against. Nobody was stopping him this game. ETN, as I mentioned, he got his opportunities early and often, and it worked. So that was good to see. Shout out to that offensive line. Again, always shout out my boy Tremaine Ankrum, holding down that right tackle spot. But the other guys, too, my boys John Simpson at the guard spot over by uh, Jackson Carmen, both of them the left tackle and left guard. Uh, Sean Pollard and Gage Cervenka, the center and right guard, all of them played really well. 
They're the ones opening up these holes for uh, ETN so they can get to the second level and start breaking those one-on-one -on -one tackles, which he was certainly able to do this game. ETN finished with 16 carries, 109 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he also grabbed three receptions for 33 yards. He had a sequence, um, I, it may have been, uh, it was either late in the first half or early in the second half, where he had two receptions back-to-back, -back. And, and not just like screen receptions, but, you know, down the field, 15, 10, 15-yard 15 receptions. That was very different. I don't think we've ever seen anything like, we've never seen a sequence like that before. ETN, for all his uh, strengths, receiving is not one of them. He's probably even a better pass protection back than he is a receiving back at this point, which is not a compliment to his pass protection. As I mentioned, huge game for DeAndre Overton, career-defining to this point. I believe he is a senior. I don't think he's a redshirt senior. I think he's a fourth-year guy. Uh, so maybe, uh, sorry, a redshirt junior, I believe. As I mentioned, he has the frame, but does he have the game? Can he compete at this level? Can he produce? Not just compete. It's fine if you can compete. At this level, you got to compete and you got to produce. So can he produce on this level on a game-to-game -game basis? If so, we're going to have one more guy in that tight, tight wide receiver rotation. We'll see how it works out, but that's a problem I would say the coaching staff would be happy to have. Easy, easy game overall. Just... It felt similar to Clemson last year, um, sort of after Trevor Lawrence came into the starting lineup. Everything just seemed easy. The defense sets the tone by just giving up absolutely nothing, gives opportunities for the offense to come in, move down the field quickly, score, get the offense of the other team back on the field, still down from the last series, demotivated, seeing this incredibly tenacious Clemson defense. It's just tough. It is tough to go against these guys. Clemson dominated this game, yet Trevor only threw 19 passes, as I mentioned. Like, they're not, they're not working incredibly hard for this. They are resting once they have done what they need to do to win, the, to win the game. At least half of Clemson's rushes were going to backups in this game uh, between, obviously, Lin Jay predominantly, but uh, my boy Chez, Chez Malusi, Mikey Dukes. Um, ben Batson even had a couple of runs. Shout out to the uh, former Central product who transferred to my high school alma mater, Dorman, for his senior year. The defense, as I've mentioned a couple of times, was stout. Um, a couple of guys I want to shout out in particular. Isaiah Simmons, he's always amazing, but in this game in particular, he was just everywhere, um, all over the place. <laughs> Had this one celebration where he like got up and did this little like putt-putt thing, and my dad like turned to me and was like, did he just do like a golf thing? I was like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so he'll, he'll do really well in the NFL. Uh, he's got those celebrations down pat, but he's also uh, really good at football, so that helps as well. Uh, I, I mean, Isaiah was awesome. He's always awesome. He's just so, so impactful on defense, and I think he is the ideal weapon in a Brent Venable scheme, too. The linebackers also played really well. 
um, James Scalsey, but definitely uh, Chad Smith's the one I would need to shout out. I believe he had seven tackles this game, and he's the one who forced the strip fumble on the Boston College quarterback early in the second half. So it was very impressive by him. The linebackers have played really well all year. It, as far as they were definitely the weakest group um, by talent going into the year, and they've held their own. Those two guys, namely, they have held their own. I've been very impressed with uh, James Skelsky and Chad Smith. Um, last note, I'm excited for Wake Forest. Next week, we, next week we've got Wofford. But um, Wake Forest is going to be the, the last real big game. We play NC State, which I'll never overlook NC State. No Clemson fan will ever overlook NC State. Trust me. But Wake Forest is 6-1. and one. It'll be exciting to see them. They beat FSU this weekend to go up 6-1. and one. I believe they're like, they've only played like three or four ACC games. It's kind of just a weird thing in their schedule where they uh, had scheduled North Carolina but it did not count as an ACC game because it was scheduled as an out-of-conference game. They're not in the same division. I want to talk Wake Forest, though. I want to highlight their main guys. Jamie Newman, the quarterback, has thrown for 141 completions at a 67% completion rate, totaling up 100, uh, sorry, 1,772 yards for 17 touchdowns and 5 interceptions. He has also tallied 87 rushes for 275 yards and three touchdowns. Um, also want to shout out Sage Surratt, 53 receptions, 881 yards, nine touchdowns. He's by far the main threat on Wake Forest. He'll be the one to watch for. You would imagine A.J. Terrell will be shadowing him most of the game. And Scotty Washington, their second leading receiver, with 32 receptions, 523 yards, and 7 touchdowns of his own. We'll be watching out for those guys in the Wake Forest game. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for the Wofford game. Can't wait for some more NBA ball. Can't wait to, I don't know, do more things. Can't wait for the MIT Sloan Conference, the MIT Sloan Analytics Conference in March. I'll be attending. If you're going to be there, let me know. I'm very excited. Yeah. That's all I got for y'all. Thanks for bearing with me as always. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to y'all later. Peace out.